0: Welcome to In the Fire, a podcast for the young families of Chapelgate Presbyterian Church. Marriage and parenting are a wonderful blessing and are extremely rewarding, but they're also really hard and can leave us feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and defeated. That's exactly why we started this podcast, to help families see how the gospel injects encouragement, comfort, and hope into the daily grind of our lives, and to remind you that you're never alone in the struggle.
1: There is another in the fire.
0: Hello, welcome back to In the Fire. My name is Rob Gicking. I am the director of Young Family Ministries and the host of this podcast, and I'm joined by a very special guest today. For a second time, I have Pastor Mike Kanjan here on the podcast. How are you doing, Mike?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you, Rob. How are you?
0: I'm doing really well. Yeah. I, uh, You know, Mike, it's, it's only fair... I I gave you the worst sound recording like mix possible last time we sat down, and today, I know you guys can't see this, but right in front of Mike and me are two brand new, absolutely gorgeous Shure microphones, and uh, you may not notice the difference in sound quality on your end, listeners, but boy do I, and I'm so glad because I really want you all to hear what Mike actually sounds like, and he doesn't sound like he speaks in a cave.
1: There you go. Unless I am in one. Unless you are in a cave. Exactly.
0: So Mike, tell us, um, for those uh, of our listeners who maybe aren't from Chapelgate, who are you? What do you do here? How long have you been here? Give us a little information about yourself.
1: So uh, I am uh, married to Catherine. We've been married for 40 years. We have three children and four grandchildren. Uh, we have lived in Maryland for nearly 17 years. Actually, tomorrow, 17 years, if oh, that's wow. March 1st. And uh, I'm from Miami, born and raised, uh, used to surf. In fact, yesterday I spent all day packing my surfboard to send to our son-in-law and three grandsons who have begun learning how to surf. So a close of a season for you is the start of a season for them. Exactly. Very excited about it. It's a board that our family gave me uh, when I was in my 40s, and it's beautiful, and I'm glad that they will keep the tradition going. That's really cool. So uh, what did you do here at Chapel Gate? I am one of the pastors uh, and uh, have, uh, as I said, been that for 17 years. I'm the senior pastor yep. and just part of a great team. Well,
0: yeah, it is it is a great team. You're right. Um, now, you didn't mention this, but as someone who's reading this, you're also an author of A Sometimes Stumbling Life, and this is a book that I've enjoyed reading uh, right before I go to sleep at night. Um, really? Well, not because it's it's... Not because it's boring, but I, as
1: I... Um, I mean, that's what my sermon podcasts are for, right? <laughs> right. <You know. laughs> Mike's sleeping podcast. Exactly. Let's go through Isaiah together. <laughs>
0: They've been so effective for Catherine. Slip. That's right. That's right. Well, it is. It is truly a great book. All kidding aside, um, I've thank really you. enjoyed reading it, and uh, Kate cool. and I have been reading that together. And it's just it's your perspective on the way the gospel enters into everyday life, mm. in the silliness, in the stupidity, in the complexity, all of it. Um, it is just really refreshing. So thank you. I'm glad. Thank you. All right. Well, as always, we're going to start our show with the hardest question, the hard-hitting question, and today's is a Desert Island edition Mm -hmm. brought to you by the Life Counseling Center, Mm. uh, biblically-based counseling that is gospel-centered, relationship-based, and clinically informed. Get started on your journey today by visiting lifecounselingcenter.org. And just as a reminder, if you're a member of Chapelgate, you get three free counseling sessions every year, and financial aid is available, so please don't let money stand between you and the help that you need. Check out the Life Counseling Center today. Now, on to Desert Island Edition heart-hitting question. Mike, are you ready? Uh, Yes. I'm I'm not naked, but I am afraid. That's right. You should be. Each of the following questions is going to be rapid fire. Okay. And takes place in the context of you being stranded alone on a desert island. Okay. Now, luckily for you, there's a magical genie who lives on the island, and he's willing to grant you wishes, but they have stipulations. Okay. So you get one thing in each of the following categories, says the genie. Which book,
1: besides the Bible, which one book are you bringing with you to the desert island? To the desert island? I would say the book of Revelation because it was written on an island. Okay, now, not a Bible book. I, oh, we're going to that Other caveat. than and a book in the Bible? Maybe other than the book I wrote. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Probably uh, Gilead by Marilyn Robinson.
0: Okay, so I obviously, as a learned scholar, am very aware of this
1: literature you reference. But for our audience, what is Gilead? So Gilead's a novel that is a story of an older man who is dying and knows he's dying. He's a pastor, and he is telling his very young son his story, and it's just very beautifully written. It kind of tells the story of pastors in a beautiful way, and I, I just love it. Sounds like
0: I need to go read it, or, I mean, again... Uh, read it again. Yeah, there you go. All right, so you got your book. Next, the genie says, what one movie are you taking with you to this island? Oh my
1: goodness. Well, I mean, you know, you think of the island, survival, will you get back home? Can you make it? Definitely The Godfather. <laughs>
0: the Godfather. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> All right, what full music album are you taking with you to the island? That would have to be Abbey Road by the Beatles. Okay. No question. All right. Lastly, the genie turns to you and he says, what one person would you bring to the island that you dislike and drives you crazy so much that it would actually motivate you to try and swim your way back
1: to mainland? So that would be good motivation. The person I'm thinking about would probably be, you know, when I I look into my mind's eye, I... There's no question that it would have to be you. Thank you. Rob, come with me that I can make it back to the mainland.
0: I <clears throat> I appreciate your honesty. I think that's all I can say. I owe you no less. <laughs> Well Mike, thank you obviously hard hitting questions aside we're, we're here to talk about baptism okay. um, with young families we're going to obviously have to discuss infant baptism, what is mm-hmm. it? should we do it? why do we do it mm-hmm. and all that but before we begin let's let's just start with with
1: the the basics what mm. is baptism so yeah, uh baptism is a sacrament it's it's one of two that we have the Lord's Supper and baptism uh really instituted by jesus jesus was baptized in the jordan river and uh he 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 commanded us to baptize uh in making disciples before he ascended and of course he gave us the lord's supper uh in the upper room so we we have been given these sacraments and they are what we call signs and seals of the covenant okay uh they're signs in that they're done physically uh, and uh, and and in that they symbolize uh, something. Each of them does. Baptism, in particular, symbolizes the regenerating or life-giving work of the Spirit of God, so that we can believe in Jesus. It symbolizes the cleansing work of the Spirit of God in us. It symbolizes the 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 resurrection in us. It, you know, there is if if we were to dunk people. There is the going down into the water, which is symbolic of death, and the raising up, which is symbolic of the resurrection. Um, and they are seals in that when participated in, in faith, it is as though Christ himself seals them in our hearts. So it's it's all a work of God's Spirit in our hearts. Um, it doesn't work apart from faith because it in and of itself, is just using natural elements like water and with the Lord's Supper, bread and wine or juice, uh, but received in faith with God's word, God seals them the hearts of true believers. So, is it fair to
0: say that without faith, it's just kind of it's it's almost like a ritual? It doesn't there's not anything spiritually happening here. Yeah, but it's with a religious
1: faith. it's a religious thing that happens. Okay, uh, without faith and God. It, our faith doesn't make it so, but our faith accompanies what God has done. I wrote down a quote that, sure. that Calvin made, I really love it, of the, of the um, sacraments. He says, they are testimonies of God's grace and are like seals of the goodwill that he feels toward us, which by attesting that goodwill to us, sustain, nourish, Confirm and increase our faith. Wow, it's really beautiful, isn't it? It is. So, anyways, um, they're, they're very, they're very dear. They don't bestow grace themselves, Calvin says, uh, but they they serve as testimonies to the grace that God has given us. So it's it's a pretty beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, it is, and I think um, the way you explained it makes a lot of sense, right? It's my it's it's. An obedience in faith that I do, um, and I think, you know, we look in the New Testament and we actually see that that informs what seems to be obedience-based salvation in the Old Testament is actually still faith-based salvation in the Old Testament, even with things like circumcision, right?
1: That's right. Uh, so baptism in some ways is considered the new sign of the covenant. For, for believers, in the Old Testament you had you had circumcision after eight days. A boy was circumcised, and, uh, and that began with Abraham. And um, and in Christ, we are baptized because after Jesus died, there's no more shedding of blood. So God's given us a, a new sign of the covenant, which is baptism. Now, what's interesting is that in old in Old Testament times. The priests were baptized before they entered into the temple, so there was a ceremonial cleansing, and if you wanted to become a, a Jew, part of the Israelite community, and you were a non-Jew, a Gentile, that you not only circumcised the males in the family, but you ceremonially washed all the family. And so that's, that sort of pointed to this holy community that you were becoming a part of, holy in that it was set apart by God. To be his people, so when we baptize now, we are we are demonstrating either as converts who have never been baptized or the children of believers that we are a set apart people, and uh, in Jesus. So uh, it's it's really it's really uh, an important sacrament as well as a beautiful one.
0: So that's really interesting. Um, what you're talking about, like the family. Uh, the value of family in in this process. And yes, Brian Chapel has a real small book called "Why Do We Baptize Infants?" And one of the things he says in it is like, this almost seems very foreign to us in our modern kind of American way of thinking, right? We we tend to be very independent people. Um, you know, Rob is Rob. Rob is really not, mm-hmm. you know, underneath other people anymore. But like that's not necessarily how the Bible draws this distinction, right? You said a whole family yes. of Gentiles, people who are not part of Israel, God's chosen people, coming in. Like, maybe they're only coming in because, you know, the Father was like, hey, I, you know, we want to be part of, we believe in the God of Yahweh, and we want to be part of the Israelite nation. The whole family is part of that.
1: Yeah, and that's why we, we um, uh, look at Acts 16 and think of the Philippian jailer, Those who are against infant baptism say, well, all his family must have believed, but we take a covenantal view of that and say he was baptized, he believed, and was baptized, and his house, his household. Um, and, And that's exactly right. I've written down a little note. Look at what's going on in our culture and society that's saying that parental rights are being taken away day by day. And yet the, the gospel calls us into a community where we not only belong to our families and one another, but to one another in the Christian community. There's something very communal about the, the, the sacrament of baptism where we, we sort of uh, uh, bring one another into our prayers, our love, our community, and with these babies until they trust Christ. We consider them a part of who we are, not just that family, but a part of who we are as a greater community. So that's really interesting, because that's even a
0: step further, right? It's not just my family, it's that I'm now part of the family of faith
1: here yeah, at Chapel right.
0: Gate or whatever the local church is, and then even broader than that, the global Christianity, right? All those who call on the Lord in That's faith. right.
1: We, we call them non-communal members. In other words, they, they, they haven't professed their faith yet. So we don't don't allow them to come to the Lord's table. They have to understand what Jesus has done for them and what he continues to do for them. They have to express a saving faith in him and be able to articulate that. But until then, it is our responsibility as a community to receive them as part of the family. So when the parents stand before us, they are really asking us to embrace their children as though we embrace them as part of the family.
0: Right, and so that includes things like we pray for each other's children, we, we, uh, we look after each other's children, we support one another as we parent these children.
1: Yes, that's right. And we, we call to mind that in Old Testament Israel, when the Passover was celebrated, all, all the family ate. It, it was a communal family thing, as all Israel did it, each family did it in their own homes. So I think it's beautiful. Uh, there's a passage in First Corinthians 7. Paul is talking about uh, the the spouses of unbelieving um, uh, you know if you have an unbelieving spouse. And in verse 14 he says uh, something to the effect of, I'm not quoting it, but he said, "What he's doing is he's encouraging a believing spouse who has an unbelieving spouse, and he, and the and the paraphrase of it is, don't worry about your children, because your being a believer makes that a holy household. That's right. I mean, it's really beautiful and staggering. It's covenantal."
0: And so let's let's talk about that because I, sure. I we we've used that word a couple times and and maybe some of our folks are not quite familiar with, with not yeah, a word great. we use today. So what is a covenant and what makes us covenantal?
1: So a covenant is a is a, a lasting and enduring vow between two parties. We belong to God's covenant of grace. He has vowed himself to us through Jesus. That he will always have a people, and that in Jesus we will always be his people. And therefore, we are not just a local church, or a local church among the universal church in the day, but we are connected to all of God's people throughout all of time, past, present, and future, until we are home Mm. with one another. Mm in, in uh, God's new world.
0: And sometimes that's referred to um, with the words visible and invisible
1: church, right? Yeah, so, and that figures into the sacrament, too, because we talk about the sign and the seal. This, the visible church is all those people who profess to know Jesus, but we know that not everyone who professes to know Jesus knows Jesus, and then the invisible church is all of those who actually do where their their confession is all the way to their hearts, and they have experienced the, the wholeness of God's grace. And
0: so the covenantal aspect of that is, Visible Church is all those who profess to believe in Jesus Christ together with their children, right? Yes. And that's where that covenantal side comes in. Is exactly. Because, you know, like you're saying, 1 Corinthians 7, this is a, this is a believing household, Yes, right, because one parent, Believes right, that's right. Or, or at least professes to believe that's in right. Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior.
1: So it, it 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 protects against someone saying, "Oh, I just found my found out my husband isn't a, a believer. I want a divorce." Right. No, it's a Christian home. It's a Christian home, and and it also ministers during dark times too. You know, when when uh, one of the spouses is struggling in their faith and it's still a christian home the covenant still works because it's a covenant of grace okay
0: yeah so that that makes a lot of sense so then let's go back a little bit you know we're not going to talk much about the lord's supper but yeah you you brought up a great distinction which is um in in the pca right in Mm -hmm. reformed tradition we baptize infants but we don't admit um, children to the table uh and so could you talk us through that i've heard it said Baptism is a lot like the the door into the church, and that the Lord's Supper is like a, a continual recommitment of faith. Is that yeah? So the
1: baptism would be like a rite of entrance. It used to be that you were baptized when you confessed your faith and joined the church, so it all looked like it belonged together. It's a rite of entrance. The Lord's Supper is for those who have confessed faith and who claim. Uh, The blood of Christ on their behalf. And so we warn people to not take it if they don't belong to Jesus, because we don't want them to think that taking the sacrament is based on any goodness on their part, or is something that we just do that's devoid of God's grace. We have to be recipients of God's grace and have confessed so. Right, and that even goes back to your
0: your first point right at the beginning, which is without faith, right? Which is from God, yeah. right? Which is represented in baptism, right? right? That's without right. Without that faith, it's you're just putting water on someone. Yeah, that's and, right. And it it does not have any, you know, deeper meaning than that. And yeah. so it's with faith that this becomes the beautiful thing that you're laying out for us. So yeah, then, it is
1: a beautiful thing.
0: So so talk to me a little bit about infant baptism versus like baby dedication. So I'll give you an example of of something in in my story is, um, you know, both of my sons have been baptized here, Mm -hmm. but there was a gap where we were not here Mm -hmm. um, in between, and that was mostly Mm work-related, honestly, is, you Mm -hmm. know, we were members here before before I started working here. Mm -hmm. But in that time, um, one of the job... That I had been looking at to be in ministry mm-hmm. was uh, they were not paedo baptists or, or mm-hmm. infant baptizers, and they they told me, "Hey, if you come work for us, um, you know your second kid, which was on the way, we don't we won't mm-hmm. baptize him. Mm-hmm. Um, we want we will dedicate him, mm-hmm. but we're not going to baptize him." And that was actually the first moment where I had to wrestle through my own convictions mm-hmm. on this personally. Mm-hmm. So I thought, Well, Brad is baptized. How mm-hmm. could I not baptize Alex? Well, does it actually matter? So. I think my question really is, in your understanding, what's the difference between baptizing your child and dedicating your child?
1: Yeah, I think that um, and and true confessions. I was dedicated as a child before, when I was twelve, and I had pro- confessed Christ because I wasn't raised in the Presbyterian Church until I was in uh, like middle junior high and high school. Um, I think the difference is that when you with dedications what you're, you're doing is sort of calling that family into account to promise to raise their children in the Lord. That's, that's a great thing. But with baptism, you are saying that there is something bigger than that, and you are claiming Christ's community on their behalf. I mean, here's the cool thing about baptism. Everybody knows what's going—infant baptism— Everybody knows what's going on in the church except for that little baby. Right. That baby has no idea what's going on. Sometimes they cry when the water's put on their... Sometimes they pull their my glasses off. Sometimes <laughs> right. they pull on my microphone. They've done other things. And, and the point is that they don't know what's going on. And there's something so magnificently beautiful about that to me that is one of the, the most precious examples of what the Spirit of God does in all of us before we meet Christ. Before we meet Christ, the Spirit of God is regenerating our hearts. Before we meet Christ, God is convicting us of sin. Before we meet Christ, His Spirit is giving us the sense that we need more than what this world offers. We don't know what's going on inside of us. Any more than Saul knew what was happening when he set out for Tarsus or for Damascus before Christ struck him down. We're just like that. And so we are sort of holding that baby up more than a Simba moment, you know, and right. Lion King. We're holding this baby up to say, this baby doesn't have to know what's going on for something really beautiful to be going on in her or his life. And, and and so dedication isn't that. It's just parents answering the questions. We will raise them the Lord, and as someone who is dedicated, I would speak to the beauties of infant baptism.
0: Yeah, and so really, I mean, these are theological issues. Yeah. And this is probably the most theological issue we'll ever talk about on this podcast, because for most of us listening... Which we're...
1: obviously will make for a very popular podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we'll steer clear all the deep end of the pool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll talk about
0: changing diapers and yeah. having great marriage instead. But yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's a theological issue. Looking at the covenant, I'm just going to kind of summarize a little bit of what you've been talking about today. It's like, Looking all the way back to the covenantal nature of God's relationship with man, that yeah. God comes in and says, I will be your God, you will be my people. Yeah. We look even in Genesis, right? And Abraham, you know, he lays... And we talked about this with marriage, right? Mm-hmm. He cuts all the animals in half, he lays them aside. Yeah, this that's is right. A, this is a typical thing to do. Yeah. And typically, you know, you and I, if we were making a covenant, would walk through together. Right. One of us would be, you're in the superior, I'm in the subordinate, and we would both say, if either of us breaks this vow, whatever vow we're making, yeah. may we become like these animals, Right. right. Maybe we'd be utterly destroyed like these animals. Okay, well, what's interesting, right? Abraham falls asleep. Yeah. God is the only one who walks through. That's right. So there's almost this beautiful sense, not Mm. almost, there is a beautiful sense in which God is saying, regardless, Abraham, of how faithful you are to me, I will be perfectly faithful to you. Yeah. And so to embrace this, I give you the sign and seal of circumcision. Yeah. So that is really where we take the bedrock of that sort of familial... Covenantal household relationship with God, mm-hmm. that then Paul, right, elaborating in Romans, then goes and says, "Hey, you may have been circumcised, that doesn't mean you are you are a true Jew. You're not a true Israelite unless you're one by faith. You're, you you right. can't be only outwardly. You have to yeah. be inwardly. Yeah. But like you're saying, you're drawing this beautiful picture, right? That we don't always know what's happening inwardly until no. it's happened.
1: Yeah. And there's another dimension too, and it's it's really. Um, encouraging and sweet, and that is that there may be a time with your 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 child, maybe a teenager, maybe older, where the best encouragement you can give them is: "Listen, I know you're struggling. I know you have doubts, but I held you in your my arms after you were baptized, and." God has room for you to have doubts. He has room for you to have struggles. His shoulders are broad enough for that because he, you weren't in it. He was the one in it. And uh, it's encouragement for parents, and I think it could be encouragement for kids. There's a, a little quote in Gilead, okay, Marilyn Robinson's book, uh, that I love. And it's this old guy talking to his son. He says, whenever I take a child into my arms to be baptized— I am, so to speak, comprehended in the experience more fully, having seen more of life, knowing better what it means to affirm the sacredness of the human creature. Wow. Just so really sweet. You know, we get to baptize these babies. We hold these humans in our arms. We look at the faces of their proud parents, and we, we, we see the joys and sorrows before them, we we get to we get to share with their their family members and stuff like that. It's so human, but because of the covenant it's so divine. It's supernatural. It's a beautiful moment.
0: Yeah, it is beautiful and um it's it's beautiful to see I mean, I'm still just I'm like reeling a little bit from the picture you you talked about earlier of the the household, not just the household, but almost like the family of believers when yeah. when we First, the parents take vows, right? They say yeah. we will do, we will raise our child in you know, right. fear and nurture of the Lord. We will pray for them, and nurture them, and care for them, and raise them up in a godly way to yeah. the best of our abilities. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're doing the baptism, you turn to all of us in the congregation. Will you assist? Will you come alongside?
1: Yes. I mean, that's beautiful. It, it's a it's a glorious moment, and uh, and again, the parents know it, the siblings know it, that baby doesn't. And and here's the thing that baby doesn't need to. It just becomes a testimony, as Calvin said, that that they have in their lives and we have to them. Yeah. Wow. Well, Mike, um, we've got a few
0: more minutes here. I, I guess, you know, we've kind of already touched on this, but, you know, a, a common question really, I think, from folks is, does infant baptism save my child if they were to to pass away, mm-hmm. you know, after? And And what happens to my child if they pass away before would be the other side of that question. But you yeah. sort of answered that, but maybe more clearly.
1: So, uh, I mean, ultimately, we don't know the answer, um, but we know that David, when he lost the child that was he and Bathsheba lost a child that they that they uh, conceived. In his grief, he said, "He will not come to me, but I will go to him." And we firmly believe that the the children, the covenant children of parents. Who die before being able to, you know, verbally confess something? That we will see them uh, in in God's new world, because we know that God won't violate His own character. Hmm. If it were unfair, He would not allow them to perish. If it were unjust, He would not allow them to do that. If it were unloving, He would not allow. He always is consistent with all of His His attributes. We lost a child in, uh, in pregnancy, and we fully expect to meet that baby one day. And, um, and uh, so while we can't say for certain what takes place, the bottom line is I can't say for certain what's going to happen with you. Right. I, I mean, we, we entrust everyone we know and everyone we love into the hands of a, of a loving and just God. Yeah. And so
0: in that sense, you know, again, it's not the baptism that saves, it's what the baptism points to, who the baptism points to that saves. And, uh, you know, faith, right, is not even a work of,
1: of me or you. No, but we have to, it is in those moments where we have to believe this covenant we claim, you know, where we say that there is something beautifully mysterious beyond the the confession of faith beyond the moment beyond an age that says these parents claimed this covenant on their children's behalf and we are gonna we are gonna claim that on their behalf as well
0: yeah that covenant of grace from the faithful god who 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 loves yeah um what advice would you give to a family who maybe, maybe they were dedicated as, as babies and maybe they're struggling a little bit with this whole covenant and, mm-hmm. you know, infant baptism thing? Like, what advice would you give a young family who's wrestling through this?
1: So I, I would say, first of all, you know, um, we would love you if you didn't do that. But as someone, as I mentioned, who was dedicated, I'm so thankful that we baptized our babies. And that we entered into this communal blessing uh, on their behalf until they themselves professed their faith in Jesus. And I would encourage you to do that because you're not alone in this. You're not alone in the struggle. You're not alone in raising your children. You're not alone in the faith. You're not alone in the church. And you're not alone in the world. And this church isn't alone in the world. Mm. So step into it. Step into the covenantal community.
0: Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate, as always, your time. Thank you for explaining some of these things to us. Um, you know, we're, we're, I speak on behalf of our young families. We're grateful, right? It's, these are hard conversations. They, you know, take a lot of thinking and preparation. Mm-hmm. And of course, I always seem to be giving you the, the hard, maybe next time we can just talk about like money, something <laughs> really easy, you know? Like, yeah, there you go. No one ever struggles with that. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I'm just grateful for you, man. Thank you so much. Well, that goes both ways, Rob. Thank you. All right, y'all. Well, if you want to know more about this, obviously in the show notes below, um, Mike and I have put together a couple resources that you'll find links to down there. And if you ever want to just come in and chat with one of our pastors, Mike, Dan, Jeff, Steve, Patrick, Pastor in Training Me, you know, like we'd love to, we'd love to have that conversation. Sometimes uh, I know I'm a visual learner, and sometimes actually flipping through the, the pages of the Bible can be helpful in this. But at the end of the day, listen, we love you. And like Mike always says, we're as close as your phone. Don't hesitate to reach out.